Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Unexplained Extra with me, Richard McLean-Smith, where for the weeks in between episodes, we look at stories and ideas that for one reason or other didn't make it into the previous show. In last week's episode, New Dawn Fades, we trace the origins of what is commonly referred to as the Roswell Incident. When researching for the episode, I was surprised to learn that considering how well known this event is, that it wasn't actually until Major Jesse Marcel made his claims some 30 years after the fact that this incident gained the reputation it has today. Despite its notoriety, however, many UFO enthusiasts considered the Roswell incident to be one of the less compelling examples of a possible extraterrestrial event. It may be, then, that the reason it continues to enthrall is not so much the UFO element, but rather how the event fits into a wider narrative of government cover-ups and conspiracy theory. In this sense, we find in this later repositioning of the Roswell incident an example of how often our response to a UFO sighting will often mirror the culture and general thinking of the day. Had Major Marcel made his claim of a military cover-up back when the initial incident occurred, for example, it might well have been summarily dismissed and the event well and truly forgotten. By the time Stanton Friedman began his investigations in 1978, however, the American public, broadly speaking, was still reeling from the revelations of the Watergate scandal. As such, people were perhaps far more inclined to entertain the idea of a military and government cover-up, with the status of the Roswell incident becoming elevated as a result. Interestingly, when we look back at the way in which UFO events have been interpreted historically, we find a similar pattern emerging. And paradoxically, such sightings often end up revealing far more about ourselves than anything about the possibility of extraterrestrial life. Reported sightings of unknown objects in the sky 
have been dated to as far back as at least the 3rd century BCE. In a paper published in a 2007 edition of Classical Journal titled Unidentified Flying Objects in Classical Antiquity, NASA scientist Richard Stothers charts the history of these ancient UFO sightings. As Stothers points out, most observations around the beginning of the Common Era, recorded by individuals such as Roman historians Livy and Pliny the Elder, have since been easily explained by conventional scientific ideas. Reports of ships gleaming in the sky, flaming spears and oblong shields, for example, are thought to be merely an unusual cloud formation and the streamers of an aurora borealis, respectively. Here, we find the notion of the UFO limited by the general understanding of space and cosmology, but also the interpretation of what has supposedly been seen, limited and distorted by the language used to describe it. As Stothers puts it, the military terminology reflects the most advanced technology known at the time, a tendency found also in modern UFO reports, in which a witness gropes for a familiar technical vocabulary and perhaps a rationalisation to describe an unaccountable phenomenon. That many ancient reports were made during wartime may partially explain this military terminology. But additionally, despite our ancestors' elaborate descriptions, rarely in antiquity do we find such sightings being associated with extraterrestrials in the way we might find today. The simple reason for this is that such a thing was inconceivable on account of our limited knowledge of the cosmos. The concept of cosmic pluralism, the idea that there may be other inhabited worlds beyond our own, had been discussed and considered by many thinkers from as far back as pre-common era times. In fact, many Islamic thinkers and scientists, such as Imam Muhammad al-Baqir, who wrote of God creating thousands and thousands of worlds, as far back as the 7th century CE, were particularly open to the idea. And in the 2nd century CE novel, True History, written by Lucian of Samosata, we find alien people from the moon and the sun depicted at war with each other. However, most people's understanding of space was based on the Aristotelian ideas of geocentrism and the sublunary sphere. This idea, with Earth at the centre of the universe, suggested that laws of physics, as they were understood then, only existed in the sublunary sphere, an area roughly incorporating everything from the ground up to the moon. Anything beyond this was considered fixed and unchanging as part of some kind of celestial ceiling. Although as far back as 450 BCE, the Greek philosopher Anaxagoras had speculated that the small lights in the sky were actually suns, most rejected this theory. It wasn't until the 11th century CE, thanks to the ideas of Ibn al-Haytham, that we really began to consider this as a genuine possibility. Even as late as 1600 CE, however, astronomer Giordano Bruno was burnt at the stake for asserting that the sun was just a star. Are you always taking care of your family? Do you often take care of others and not yourself? Now it's time to take care of yourself, to make time for you. You deserve it. Teladoc gives you access to a licensed therapist to help you get back to feeling your best, to feeling like yourself again. With Teladoc, you can speak to a licensed therapist by phone or video, 
Therapy appointments are available seven days a week from 7am to 9pm local time. If you feel overwhelmed sometimes, maybe you feel stressed or anxious, depressed or lonely, or you might be struggling with a personal or family issue, Teladoc can help. Teladoc is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy to change counsellors if needed, for free. Teladoc therapy is available through most insurance or employers. Download the app or visit teladoc.com forward slash unexplained podcast today to get started. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C dot com slash unexplained podcast. In the early morning of April 1561, citizens of Nuremberg, Germany, awoke to an extraordinarily strange event occurring in the sky above the city. Small globes were witnessed, seeming to come out of the sun, before lining themselves up in a variety of geometric shapes. As described by a witness at the time, in between these globes there were blood-red crosses, between which there were blood-red strips, becoming thicker to the rear, and in the front, malleable like the rods of reed grass. Among them were two big rods, one on the right, the other to the left, and within the small and big rods there were three, also four and more, globes. These then started to fight among themselves, so that the globes which were first in the sun flew out to the one standing on both sides. Thereafter, the globes standing outside the sun, in the small and large rods, flew back into the sun. The globes then fought with each other for over an hour, and when the conflict was most intense, they became fatigued to such an extent that they fell from the sun down upon the earth, as if they had all burned and wasted away on the earth with immense smoke. This event, known as the 1561 Celestial Phenomenon over Nuremberg, was recorded and illustrated in a wood engraving by local printer Hans Glaser. For some, this event remains one of the most inexplicable UFO sightings. Others have explained it away as merely a sundog. For Hans Glaser, however, and presumably many others who had witnessed it, the incident was a clear sign from God. It is an unsurprisingly common explanation for many UFO sightings up to this point in time. But then, things slowly begin to change. It is ten years later, in 1572, when astronomer Tycho Brahe observes a brilliant supernova travelling beyond Earth's atmosphere. It was the first verifiable proof ever that the heavens were not quite what we thought they were. Only 40 years later, and Galileo Galilei publishes Sidereus Nuncius, a highly controversial treatise which built on Copernicus's earlier findings that the Earth revolved around the Sun and not the other way round. And with this begins the gradual untethering of our belief that the solar system was at the centre of the universe. As the Age of Reason takes hold, triggered in part by Galileo's heretical proofs, our understanding of space and the universe expands exponentially. With Darwin's theory of evolution to boot, our sense of the age of the Earth, and consequently the universe, also begins to change. And with this, the horizons of our cosmological knowledge were vastly expanded, and so too 
did the horizons of our imaginations begin to expand. In 1666, author Margaret Cavendish pens her pioneering novel, the description of a new world called The Blazing World. The book, which has been described as a forerunner of science fiction, depicts a utopian kingdom on what is essentially another planet. And by the late 19th century, writers are really beginning to get to grips with the possibilities of outer space, with stories and ideas epitomised by H.G. Wells's War of the Worlds. And soon, our interpretations of UFO sightings begin to follow suit, shifting from a theological framework to one that incorporates our newly expanded ideas of space. By the end of the 19th century, sightings are routinely being discussed in terms of spaceships with alien entities at the helm. And in the 1890s, we see some of the first reports of alien abduction being recorded. With advances in radio technology, rocket science, and even our own first ventures into space, developing in tandem with an ever-increasing sense of the size of the universe, a golden age of science fiction explodes. Soon we are routinely imagining not only other species, but entire civilizations, intergalactic warfare, and technologies beyond our comprehension. And consequently, no longer are UFOs observed passively flitting about in the sky, but instead we begin to speculate about their intentions. Are they here to harm us, or simply observers, we wonder? Or do they not even notice us at all? As more abstract scientific discoveries such as Einstein's theory of relativity and the exotic realm of the quantum world begin to filter into the public consciousness, our interpretation of UFOs shifted again. No longer were they being considered as merely interstellar craft, but interdimensional too. And with some of the more recent ideas about how the purpose or simply the mechanism of UFOs may be beyond our distinctly human thought processes, ironically we find the conversation coming full circle back to the theological ideas of not being able to comprehend gods. This way in which UFO observations are often informed by the social and psychological states of the day is often referred to as the psychosocial hypothesis. This idea was explored in depth by Carl Jung in his fascinating 1959 book Flying Saucers, A Modern Myth of Things Seen in the Sky. As he put it then, The starry vault of heaven is in truth the open book of cosmic projection in which are reflected the mythologems of our species. Perhaps, for example, we fear the purpose of UFOs because we know only too well what their intentions might be if it were humans at the helm of an interplanetary reconnaissance mission. Or perhaps we dream of them because the universe is too incomprehensibly large that the thought of the creatures of Earth being the only sentient life forms out here is too crushing to bear. Or perhaps, when we see those alien aircraft in the sky, we see not visitors from outer space, but visions of our future instead. As such, although extraterrestrial life may well exist out there, and for all we know it has even visited planet Earth, it remains that much of what we see in the sky is not something from beyond, but from inside. 
If you enjoy listening to Unexplained and would like to help support us, you can now go to unexplainedpodcast.com forward slash support. All donations, no matter how large or small, are massively appreciated. All elements of Unexplained are produced by me, Richard McLean-Smith. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes and feel free to get in touch with any thoughts or ideas regarding the stories you've heard on the show. Perhaps you have an explanation of your own you'd like to share. You can reach us online at unexplainedpodcast.com or Twitter at unexplainedpod and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash unexplained. Now it's time to take care of yourself to make time for you. Teladoc gives you access to a licensed therapist to help you get back to feeling your best. Speak to a licensed therapist by phone or video anytime between 7am to 9pm local time, seven days a week. Teladoc therapy is available through most insurance or employers. Download the app or visit teladoc.com forward slash unexplained podcast today to get started. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C dot com slash unexplained podcast. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.